0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com And I just want to recap what we did last week because it's so important, it's so important for us to try and remember this material which is a terrific material. So we're continuing, we're we're repeating or recapping what we did last week in terms of trust in God and the conditions. Number one is a person really has to believe that Hashem has more compassion on us than anyone else in the world more than our parents, more than anyone else. Hashem has compassion in us. And if anyone else sends you, gives you compassion and and mercy, it's a little reflection of Hashem's mercy. Hashem's mercy is terrific. We don't really realize. And sometimes we see bad things happening, but we have to understand that there's two worlds. We can only see part of the picture. That's the trouble. We only see part of the picture. So our question is why? Where is God's compassion? And the answer is we don't see the other part of the clip. We only see part of the movie. We don't see the whole movie. So to understand the whole picture, you need to see the whole picture. But if you don't see the whole picture, and see a part of the picture, you can't understand what's going on. But we have to believe, that's our part of our belief, is Hashem is compassionate. El Rachum Hashem is merciful. Hashem is the most merciful, more than anyone else in the world, more than our own parents. Hashem is our parent. Hashem is more merciful and compassionate than anyone else. And when we, more we believe it, the more it's true. This is, that's the irony. The irony over here is that everything depends on what we believe. What we believe makes it happen. We believe Hashem is compassionate. Hashem says, you believe I'm compassionate, I'm compassionate. You believe I'm with you, I'm going to be with you. That's what Rambam says. Number two. We have to know and believe that Hashem is aware of whatever we need. We don't even have to ask for it. So why do we pray then? If Hashem knows what we need, a good mother knows what the child needs. Even a child crying, a good mother knows it. uh, it's three o'clock. It must be uh, I gotta feed the baby. It's I gotta change the diet But the mother knows. She doesn't need the baby to cry. Hashem knows what we need. Why do we have to cry to Hashem? And the answer is, we're not crying to God for, to remind God. We're crying to God for us to build a relationship with Hashem. We have to pray to build a relationship for Hashem because prayer is avodah. Prayer is service. You know, I never understood why is prayer called avodah, serving God. What kind of service is it? And the answer is, it's so hard to pray. To put the kavana inside the tefillah, that's real work. Mm -hmm. That's hard work. That's where the work is. The service is putting your head into your head, putting your thoughts into the prayer. That's really hard work. And that is so hard to do. That's the hardest part of tefillah. It's easy to say the words, no problem. But to put one's mind into the words without wandering off, drifting off in the cloud somewhere. It's very, very hard. That's real service. That's real avodah. So number one is we have to believe that Hashem has compassion on us and is most compassionate around anyone, anyone else in the world. Okay. Number two is Hashem is aware of our needs and Hashem knows what's good for us. We don't know what's good for us. We think we know what's good for us and we ask what we think is good for us, but you know what? We don't really know what's good for us. We may be asking for something which is really bad for us. We don't know what's good for us. Unfortunately, it's tragic. And that's why it says uh, when a person prays for a spouse, don't pray for so-and-so don't pray for a specific girl a girl shouldn't pray for a specific guy we don't know if she's at the right one pray always for the right one Hashem always put the right one don't pray to get a certain job always pray Hashem give me the right job for me it's very interesting but if a person goes for a job interview he says Hashem please don't give me that job Hashem said but I know it's not good for you I don't care I want it anyway you know best basketball kid I want it anyway no Hashem says okay you want it I'll give it to you maybe he's just humoring us sometimes he does I told you. I told you so. Remember, I told you so. It's not for you. It's not for you. But you went on and did it. Not your fault. So it's always good to pray in general. Give me what's good for me. Mm. Always help me in the right way. And Hashem says, I always want to help you the right way. We don't really realize that. Hashem knows what's good for us more than we know what's good. He's ten steps, hundred steps, million steps ahead of us. He knows what's good for us. So sometimes we want this and want that, and Hashem says it's not good for you. And, you know, we, talk, we discussed this yesterday. It's very, very important to teach a child no at an early age. It's very, very important for the child's development. And that's the problem in America why some people get depressed, because all of a sudden they have a big no in their life and they can't handle it. Right? And they get very depressed and they go off the deep end. Because no one ever told them no before. They never heard the word no before, and therefore they don't know how to cope with no. I think that's one of the biggest lessons in my life my, my parents taught me. It was a very big no when I was around 16. I wanted to go to Israel very badly. My older brother went, and I wanted to go, and they said, no, you're not old enough yet. You're not developed yet. You wait." And that really made me grow up, because that no was like a whack in the face, a slap in the face. I had to cope with that no, and it's a very, a very important way to learn how to grow. to Coping with a no, and we have to know, suddenly we have to cope with God's no. Sometimes the answer God says is no. Um, but we have to say God knows more than me. That's how we uh, pacify ourselves. Hashem is wiser than us. You know what? That was the best thing for me. I'm glad they said no. Who knows what I've done, got up to when I was younger. So Baruch Hashem, and to mature. It's very, very important. Hashem says, no, right now you're not ready. The answer is no. But later on, we'll, we'll recheck. So number two is, we have, number one is, Hashem is the most compassionate individual around. Hashem is the most compassionate being around. Hashem cares for us and loves for us more than anyone else in the world we do have to realize that we don't realize that we don't appreciate it we have to really internalize that Hashem loves me more than anyone else in the world imagine a person walks around the road you should be happy all day if you know Hashem loves you because what do we want we want that feeling someone cares about me so a lot of people say you know I'm alone no one cares about me it's not true Hashem cares about you Hashem is our father and our mother Hashem is our grandfather and grandmother Hashem is our closest relative we don't really realize that he's our creator Number two is, Hashem knows what we need. Hashem knows exactly what we need before we even say it. He knows what we need. So why are we saying it? The answer is, we're saving it in order to pray to Him, in order to create a a bond with Him. It's for us, not for Him. We're creating a bond with Him. Number three, Hashem is all-powerful. If you want to pray to someone, you want to pray to all-powerful. Hashem is all-powerful. Hashem can do whatever He wants. It's amazing. That belief is such a powerful belief. And od Milvado, there's nothing else in the world but God, the power of God. Can take it's everything. Actually, the power of God is everything. Whatever God wants to do, He will do. He, whatever Hashem wants, Hashem's promise is immutable. Hashem will give. And look at the promises uh, Hashem gave the forefather. Look at Abraham. You're going to get the land. You can have children. like the stars. He doesn't have anything. He doesn't have land. He doesn't have children. Today we're seeing the promise coming true, and we're seeing his children of Abraham. Unfortunately, there's too many of the other type. <laughs> he had many children. He had eight children. Abraham had eight children, right? He had uh, Yitzhak, Ishmael, and uh, six uh, children from Keturah. Sons which he sent to the east. The whole far east is Abraham's children. man. We don't realize. Look at the far east. 1.5 billion uh, Chinese and 1.8 billion Indians now. No? They're all the children, descendants of Abraham over there. Look, look at how many children Hashem gave, like the stars, Mama is like amazing. And he gave Abraham the land of Israel. Man, his descendants are still fighting whose land it is. The sons of Abraham. It's amazing. The blessings came true. Why? Because Hashem, the decree is irreversible. His promises are irreversible. Number four, you must believe. This is amazing. Hashem knows everything about everyone's behavior and what they're thinking, even at the same time. Hashem is, he doesn't have to think. Everything's in the. I mean, today we know with computers that it's possible to handle all these things in one shot. But Hashem's ability is amazing, and you, you can't divert Hashem's opinion, uh, attention. Human beings can say, hey, look over there, look over there. He's, he's all over the place, right? Mm. Hashem, there's no diverting attention. He's attention to everything. Amazing, amazing. So that's number four. We have to believe Hashem is aware of everything, and it's one of the fifth principles of belief. Hashem rewards and punishes. That means Hashem is aware of what's going on. <laughs> number five. No one else can hurt you or anyone else without God's permission. Now, this is a very, this is a little bit controversial, but this is the opinion of the Havad of Well, great, we showed him that Hashem is in charge, no one can hurt you without Hashem's sanction. There was this free choice after a point according to this. This is very fascinating. And according to Rambam, it's not like that. Rambam says there's free choice. Someone can kill someone without, well, does God consent? Well, God knows for sure. Does He consent? No! Hashem doesn't want an innocent person killed. But over here He's saying, no, that doesn't, that's not the way it works. It's to the point where no one can do anything to anyone without Hashem's permission. Which is amazing. So no one can help or hurt either one oneself or anyone else. Can you imagine even if a person wants to kill himself; he can't kill himself without God's permission. You see, people today they try. It. How many people? For every one person successful at suicide, there are four unsuccessful. This is America, all these unsuccessful suicides—amazing. Think about it. His mazal is so bad; he can't kill himself. <laughs> it's depressing. It's very depressing. Four fifths. Imagine. You can imagine how much they wound themselves and mm-hmm. some of them are incapacitated for life. What a They try and kill themselves. doesn't make sense. They want to kill yourself. doesn't make sense. They don't realize from the frying pan to the fire, they think, that's it. I'm going to get out of the pain and the misery. It's not true. There's more misery on the other side. waiting for them. Mm-hmm. It's suicide, it's murder. And it's murder with no teshuva. It's the worst kind of murder. You murder somebody you want to do teshuva, but uh, suicide, I can do teshuva. He's dead already. Can't do teshuva. <laughs> it's tough. It's the worst thing. It's not an escape. People have to realize that's not an escape. There's no escape from this world without God's permission. Nothing. You can't escape from God. God is everywhere. So no one can help or hurt either oneself or anyone else without God's consent. It's amazing. It's amazing. Shaul Melech fell on his sword to try to kill himself. It's unsuccessful. Couldn't do it. He had to get his, his uh, assistance. And so Hashem is the who will live and who will die. Hashem is the one in charge and therefore a person has put all their trust in God, nothing else, there's nothing else you can get the best lawyers, best doctors best this, best that, without Hashem nothing's going to work nothing will work without Hashem we have to pray to Hashem, that's why it's so important to pray hard to Hashem and realize Hashem knows what's best for you sometimes (laughs) you pray, you do your you try your best, nothing happens when you said who shall live and who shall die you know what that reminds me of? I mean, we have Yom Kippur. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, that's what we say, Yom Kippur. Hashem is the one in charge. Yes? So it's very hard when, when you work with, like, child abuse. Mm-hmm. You, know, you think that Hashem wanted this to happen. And then a lot of my clients will say, why did this happen? I wouldn't say because Hashem wanted this to happen. You know, it's, it's a very hard thing and to do. That's, that's why there's a big makhluket of here. Mm-hmm. And this is and sort of, Bakudah's opinion. and mm-hmm. Bakudah says, obviously, Hashem allowed it. I don't say he wants it to happen. He mm-hmm. doesn't say he wants it to happen. He allowed yeah. it to happen. Big difference between allowing something and wanting it, like the Holocaust. Hashem wanted to happen, Hashem allowed it to happen. So Rambam would say Hashem allowed it to happen because there's free will. And to allow free will, you have to allow free will. So free will is people can even kill someone free will. And the biggest proof is that brothers could have killed yourself if they wanted to. They could have, even though it's a tzaddik. They could have killed him. So that's what we see, that's Rambam's proof. Rambam, Ramban. That it allows, Hashem allows these things to happen. But again, it could be, a learning experience. It could be something for a previous Gilgul, which we don't even talk about. We don't know what's going on. We don't see the whole picture. That's mm-hmm. the trouble. We don't see the whole picture. Uh, but the hardest part is to move on. That's the hard part. The hardest part is, this happened to me, but you know what? I'm moving on. I'm turning the page. And that's the hard part. People have to let go and turn on the page. All the victims of abuse, it's, it's so hard to do. You gotta- it's very young. Huh? Especially if it's a very young no, no. Sometimes when it's young, it's better because they forget about it. But when it's older, okay, depends on the age, depends on what's going on. But that's it. A person got to let go and move on. So even though I, my parents were bad, whatever it is, I, I've got to forgive them as well. What can I do? Move on. And that applies to anyone we deal with. Otherwise, a person bears the grudge inside and the hurt inside. So that's how, that's how it actually ties into prayer. Yes, exactly. So then, if that, if you Hashem come should give us the abusive... strength to move on. Right. Listen, the Jewish people are being the most abused people yeah. in the world. We're the most abused people in the world. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, look, we're moving on. We're abused. You see Jews buying German cars. I don't know how they do it, honestly. But it's very tempting. It's very tempting. Look, you see all these guys driving BMWs and Mercedes. But look what they did to us. Well, we're supporting them. We're helping their economy. Well, let them work for us for a change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how <all> that one. <laughs> let them work for us. Yeah, but one could say too that. So we're abused. We've got to move on. and That's how Jews keep on going. How do we keep on going? We move on. We, we turn the page and move on. So we, we couldn't live in this country. They threw us out. They killed us. And they threw us out. So we moved to the other country. We'll move over here. Well, they threw us out. we got to move somewhere. We've got to keep moving on. Keep going, keep moving. Don't look at the past. Turn the page. We do. That's the only way we're surviving. How are we surviving? We're mad. Either we're mad, or we have this faith in God, or it's keeping us going, or we're just uh, just very good adapting. We just keep on adapting. and keep on reinventing ourselves. It's amazing. It's amazing. That was Mark Twain's question. What's the secret of Jewish survival? The Romans have come and gone. The Greeks have come and gone. The Babylonians have come and gone. The Persians have come and gone. And the Jews are still around. Miracle. And not only are they around, he says, they're vital. And that was in the 1800s. And today, you see, Israel is like, just after death, near-death experience, and like a phoenix, which just re-sprouts. And that's exactly what Makshamur Hitler said. If you keep one child alive, he said, he's going to reinvent this whole religion. Makshamur, he said that. Yeah, he's, a genius, an evil genius. he's an evil genius. He understood Judaism more than, unfortunately, most Jews did. Unfortunately, it's tragic. He has the biggest enemy of us. He understood us more than, he, you know, we don't even understand what we stand for. He's telling us what we stood for, and he's understanding that we're spreading... Goodness and morality and ethics which he hates into the world. And he wants to destroy us because of that. He understood it more than anyone else. Evil genius. Okay, so that's very important. Number five, I think that's controversial. (coughs) But that's the opinion of Rabbachi ibn that Hashem, no one can hurt a person without God's consent. He doesn't say he wants it. Consents. He gives the permission. Number six, and this is very critical and something we forget all the time and that is Hashem's kindness to us every single day every day we wake up, it's a kindness every second of life we have, it's a kindness every time we have food on the table it's a kindness, every time we can breathe it's a kindness, every time a person goes to the bathroom it's tremendous kindness the abundant kindness and goodness he created he created us, that's a kindness because he didn't have to create us he, has, he has, doesn't have no, no obligation to create us it's like even the child abuser, right? It's a mitzvah for a child to honor his parent, but the parent's abusing him. Mm. What do you do? And the answer is run away. You can't do anything bad. Why? You still have to honor them. Why? Because they brought you into this world. Just the fact they brought you into this world—that's a gift that they gave us of life. And the gift of life is the most precious gift a person has, and that's something which society today does not appreciate. The gift of life, people, people today don't appreciate the gift of life. Gift of life is worth more. It's worth trillions. Like you won the lottery. But can you, do you because you somebody? have potential, huh? You honor somebody who doesn't honor Hashem? If it's your father? Yes. Yeah, yes. If your father, yes. Father, mother, yeah. Honor parents. Honoring parents, yes, applies. Even the Rashaim, what do you mean by honor? You just keep away. It means you can't do anything bad to them. Do you have to do anything positive That's to not them? The same as honor. Honor means eating, food, feeding them, clothing them. So so they need it. So yeah, so if they need it, they're dying of starvation, sure. Parents, it. So people who have like uh, so taking piggybacking off of that. So people who have had um, nasty words or vicious words to, like, say a family member to another family member, um, saying, "Oh well," um, let's say for example, um, a family member was incarcerated, and then while incarceration, um, the family said, "Well, you killed the, you killed your mother." Yes, no, I don't listen. Like, chair- so, I mean, so, these are vicious. So the, yeah, the listen. So what we have to do is let's go back to our faith in God that everything, if he, mm-hmm. God, according to this, God gave him permission to say that. Whatever, whoever said bad things to you, mm-hmm. God sanctioned them. God said okay, you so can say. So you still it, it, In other words, a person's gotta realize that everything came from God. Everything came to God and, and so person has gotta say, Hashem, why why did you do this to me? Why did you allow this to what's your reason? Let me find out what the reason is, let me try and figure out what the reason is. Or some person's gotta say, you know, I accept God's will and I'm gonna move on. So you elevate yourself all of that family nonsense. Exactly. You gotta elevate yourself above it. And then just and just pray for them. Yeah, pray for them, hopefully. And sometimes your prayers it's amazing how one person can affect the whole family. It's a ripple effect. You see one person in the, in the family doing teshuva, Well, suddenly you see the other guy also doing tshuva. the other guy doing it's like it's, I, had a, I had a cousin who really started us off. He started us off very young. He was uh, six, seven years old, and his, and his parents would like to shove him in the car on Shabbat. And he would scream, No, no, I'm not going to break Shabbat! No, no! <laughs> Where did he get it from? He got it from his grandparents. His grandparents were religious. And he used to live with his grandparents, uh, the whole family of the grandparents. So the grandparents would keep Shabbat, and the, the children would not learn to So they would shove him in the car, and he would start screaming. So when you heard about it. it we said, Well, are we going to do? We're going to be like just like him. What is <laughs> 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 well, his example? We were all kids. Right. So we all took upon ourselves to keep Shabbat from a very early age because of his example, amazing example this man, boy had. But uh, so everyone has it. One person can make a tremendous ripple effect in their family. You see, uh, Abraham Avinu, his brother said, I believe in God, because he saw what Abraham Avinu did. He didn't survive, but his, his, his grandchildren survived. So, number six is, we have to be aware of God's great kindness to us. Even the fact that we are alive, and that's not enough. Is that not enough? The person going to realize that's enough. That is tremendous kindness that did, Hashem did. We don't, we don't deserve to be created. We have no merits to be created. There's no merits to be created. He did not need to create us. He did it out of generosity, goodness, and kindness. That's amazing. That's an amazing concept because people don't appreciate life today. Just being alive. So, Hashem, why, why did this happen to me? Are you alive? Can you say thank you for being alive? The mm. I'm alive today. First, Thought that comes to the person's head when they when they wake up should be, "Thank you, God, forgive me this gift of life." Thank you. And uh, number seven, everything in this world has a limit. Hashem made everything limited, and the most important thing is nothing you do can hasten something. Everything is up to God. If one, God wants something to happen on a certain time, nothing's going to happen to delay it. Nothing's going to happen to hasten it. Okay, so that's the idea of Mashiach. We can bring it early through our merits, but there's a fixed time. Hashem says it's going to happen by this time. That's it. I'm not going to change my time. Time is going to... So a person person's going to realize that nothing is accidental in this world. There's no accidents. And that was the famous thing of Amalek. Ashik Karcha Baderach. They happened on the way. And Purim, it's all lottery, as Haman who's Amalek, they believe in this idea of chance, which is really an idea of evolution. Everything's by chance. The truth is we believe in evolution as well. But it's not evolution from nothing, it's evolution from something which Hashem created. The world is totally we're meant to evolve, we're meant to become better. We do believe in evolution. But it's uh, not the same evolution they believe in. It's not a, a random choice. It's not random. nothing's random in this world. Everything is ordained by Hashem. <laughs> okay, so I just want to recap very quickly. There's seven things. They're very, very critical. Number one is uh, we believe that Hashem has more compassion than anyone else. He's the most compassionate being around, number one. Number two, Hashem is aware of what we need. Hashem knows what we need best. Hashem knows us and knows what we need the most. Hashem knows what's good for us. Number three, Hashem is the most powerful and he can do whatever he wants. Number four, Hashem, you cannot divert Hashem's attention. Hashem is aware of everything. Number five, no one can help, hurt, help you or hurt you without God's will. Hashem wills. Number six, a person's got to be aware of Hashem's kindness to us. And number seven, you can't delay an event that God ordained or hastened it. That's it. If God wants it to happen at a certain time, it'll happen at a certain time. Now we come to an interesting concept, the idea, concept of the idea of God works through mysterious ways. And sometimes we can't see the cause and the effect. We just see the effect. We don't see the cause of what happened. A long chain of events take place. For example, the Tsar Nicholas uh, what was he, what was the, he? Second. the second decrees on the Jews, and the Jews start moving out of Russia. And they come to other countries, and they come to the U.S., and then 100 years later, 50 years later, there's a war, and they're the ones, they're lucky survivors. So we don't know Hashem is doing all these things to cause an event later on or the brothers sold Yosef and Hashem uses that to get the Jews to go to Egypt and the slavery starts from there so it's a long term chain of events that's how Hashem works so I saw a beautiful explanation once an amazing explanation why did Hashem have to give Moshe Rabbeinu a sign of a snake what's a sign of a snake take your stick and throw it in the ground so the answer is Moshe Rabbeinu is a very direct person if he sees something wrong he acts directly what does he see? he sees the Jews in Egypt are being afflicted so he goes and he hits the taskmaster the taskmaster is hitting the Jew straight away boom doesn't know questions he goes and kills the taskmaster Paro says you didn't kill my taskmaster get out of here he runs away he sees the shepherds afflicting uh, the daughters of Yitro a very direct person goes and gets involved and saves the daughters everything is very direct with Moshe he doesn't mess around Hashem says take your stick which is the shortest distance between two objects is a stick, a Mm line. which is you, that's you, Moshe, that's not the way I operate. I don't operate like that in history. Hashem says, I don't operate like that in history. I want to show you a difference between you operate the way I operate. You operate like a stick, Moshe, I operate like a snake. Put it on the floor, boom. The snake, you can't figure out where it's going. It goes here, it goes there, it goes Mm -hmm. here, it goes there. Hashem in history, it's very hard to figure out what He wants. Because Hashem's history is not going straight. It's like the stock market goes up and down, up and down. You've got to start drawing the line and see which direction is Hashem. It's like Israel's history, right? Israel's history. War, peace, war, peace. Where is it going? And the answer is, if Israel is getting stronger, it's going in the right direction. You have to figure it out. If more people are going to Israel, then it's going in the right direction. So that's Hashem. It's, very, it's always hard to know what Hashem wants because Hashem is giving us... Mixed messages. We're getting mixed messages all the time. Yeah, but that's the human way. But you could say that God works in mysterious ways, but not for Hashem. Hashem knows what he's doing. Hashem, obviously, or, not. I'm not saying Hashem doesn't know what he's doing. I'm saying, as far as we're concerned, it's right, very I hard mean, to figure, a figure humanistic out. Point, yeah. humanistic point. Okay. Humanistic point. We're talking about a humanistic point. Yeah. Hashem looks at the long-term picture. We look right. at the short-term. Hashem is very long-term. Hashem is here for infinite. He's looking very long-term. So he said, listen, ten generations from Adam to Noah. Hashem knows there's a Noah coming along. It's 10 generations later. Okay, I got time. 10 generations from Noah to Abraham. Hashem says, listen, I got time. 10 generations. What's 10 generations? For me, 10 generations? Nothing. I know there's an Abraham coming along. Six generations from Abraham to Moshe. Ah, I got time. For Hashem, there's no problem. By the way, it's number 26. The magic number is 26. God's name is 26. 26 generations from Adam to, to Moshe. To fix the that was meant to be the fixing of the sin of the golden of the uh, of the eating of the fruit. That was meant to be Gan That was meant to be Gan again. So that's uh, that's uh that's interesting. Okay. Therefore, now look at this. was huh? twenty six from the Shay. Damn it! What about? I don't know. I don't work it out. You work it out. A person in the eagerness to earn money unfortunately goes to great lengths and expends vast energy and time to make something happen before or after the creator wants it to happen it's interesting if Hashem wants it to happen it's going to happen without struggle wild wild and it was why should a person invest all the time and, money, and the efforts and efforts and efforts when it's not the right time for it to happen because when it's the right time for happen Hashem just makes it happen like that the doors open all of a sudden everything opens all of a sudden you get a call and I got a call, out of the blue, boom, I, I, I don't know how it happened, I don't know if Hashem made things happen. Sometimes Hashem makes things happen. When the time comes for something to happen, it will happen, whether you're light, whether you're ready for it, you're not ready for it, you just have to say yes though. Because when the time comes, you're not get a second opportunity, you're not going to get another opportunity, Whether opportunity knocks, you have to, that's your job is to grab it. Hashem sending you a message, Hashem sending you a messenger, your job is to grab it, otherwise Hashem says, that's it, you missed the opportunity. And uh, like Moshe Rabbein, it says, missed a big opportunity because he, Hashem was offering tremendous revelation at the burning bush. And Moshe Rabbein says, not me, not me, not me, not me. Seven days. And then later on, he asks, Hashem, show me your face. Hashem says, no, you missed the opportunity. You missed it. You could have got it, but you didn't miss it. You, did. mm-hmm. you said no. So when the time comes, the person going to be ready to grab that opportunity because when Hashem is ready, that's, it, that's when it's going to happen. You could try and struggle. All you want it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. That's it. But when Hashem wants it to happen, it's going to happen. But you've got to say yes. That's the time. You've got to say yes. And that's the, that's the chokmah. That's the wisdom of life. Wisdom of life is to know when you're at a turning point and when you have to say yes, when you have to say no. But you got to know which way to go. And sometimes the opportunities are there, so it's amazing how Hashem just throws you a lifeline. And if you don't take that lifeline, it's your fault you go to Hashem what do you do Hashem why am I struggling so hard Hashem listen I, I gave you that lifeline this lifeline you always turn away it's not my fault so when Hashem wants something to happen it's going to happen really fast when the time came for Yosef to come out of jail they pulled him, they pulled him out they took him out the time came boom it happens so fast so one minute he's a slave can you imagine the next minute he's a king he's the assistant to the king can you imagine it happened so fast it's just overnight boom so when the time comes; it just changes. Everything changes. Everything has a time. We thought that last last week, right? Shlomo Melach says in Kohelet, chapter three, chapter three. The only area proper to devote great energy. This is interesting because we said when it comes to parnasad, everything, everything has a time. You're going to have a, a break. There's going to be a break one day. The other thing is to seize the opportunity, not to say no, not to dither. Some people have a hard time making decisions. Maybe is not a good answer. For Hashem, maybe is not a good answer. Hashem says, I gave you the opportunity. Now you've got to say yes. Don't say maybe. Because when you say maybe, you lost the job. You lost the opportunity. But they're going to say yes. Yeah, have to know when to say yes. They have to know to, be, to seize the moment, seize the opportunity. The only area proper to devote great energy and time to in one's is one's duty to serve God and accept His Torah. Because everything is in the hands of heaven. Except for the fear of heaven. So whether high rich, poor, tall, short, strong, weak, well, sick, uh it's up to is Everything's up to Hashem. The genes of the person up to Hashem. It's all Abtasha. It's out of our hands. However, a person's moral character depends on our own choices, and that's where we have to put our efforts, because that's not in God's hands, that's in our hands. So we are we are struggling to make the living and, and working harder and harder and harder, and that's really in God's hands. But really what's in our hands we're not doing. That's a, the that's a problem. That's our problem. problem. So a person worries, goes to great lengths to acquire his livelihood reflects a lack of understanding of God's power and reveals the ignorance of the benefits of God's guidance. Everything has a season. Koelet, chapter 3. Everything has a time. It's going to happen at a good time. If Hashem wants you to be wealthy, He'll make you wealthy, whether you like it or not, it's going to happen to you. Boom. It's amazing it's really amazing the person could be doing it in a dorm room in Harvard or whatever it is and they make this Facebook out of them. tremendous wealth billions and billions and billions and then the guy throws away his, his, his next world for it Gets married the next day it's, it's a wild story imagine people are so involved in this world they forget there's a the next world they forget yeah. about the next world they forget this world is limited and it's finite and you can't take it with you and they give up the whole next world for this garbage world mad they don't realize what they're doing. They're throwing, like like Asaph. He hated, he despised his birthright. And unfortunately, so many Jews today who despise their birthrights. It's a terrible tragedy, one of the biggest tragedies. But give them the benefit of the doubt, they don't realize what they're doing. It takes a long time, it takes a good imagination to realize there's a world out there, a different world, the next world. You know, a Jew needs a good imagination, a really good imagination. But you can see it, because this world, what is it worth? When you get older and older and older and older, then you can't take it with you. Yeah, if a person's lucky, they go into old-age home, they are two sick suitcases. It's so sad. Mm. The richest people in the world, they go to the old-age home, they only have two suitcases. If that. Two closets, if that. And then they can't move. Have a case now. A very wealthy woman... Now she has an aide and now she can't move. She needs two aides. Now she got to the point where she can't move and therefore they're going to put her in a bed in a nursing home. The poor, poor man's nursing home because the rich man's uh, place doesn't have a nursing home. They have assisted living. <laughs> so you can't take it with you. You can't. The human being is not made for an infinite use. <coughs> the soul is. That's what people forget. It's the soul we have to focus on. Not the body. The body is, unfortunately, that's the biggest yitzara. That's the yitzara. We can't see the soul. We can only feel it if you're sensitized. You can't, feel, you can't see it. We can't see the next world. We have to believe in the next world. We can't see Hashem. We have to believe Hashem. But we have to try and sensitize ourselves now. Then we'll have a good taste for the next future, for the future world. The Creator's ways are so hidden and profound and elevated. A man has no conception of any single action. Much less can he understand Hashem's broader plan. If we had never had the Torah, we would know nothing about nothing about nothing. The Torah just gives us a little glimpse. But the Torah does not tell us anything about the next world. Why not? It's one of the biggest questions. All the other religions, they promise you paradise, and they tell you what paradise is, gold and silver and houses and this and that, and what else the garbage they talk about. Right, we're not going to go that way. And Judaism, nothing in the Torah about did nothing. So why not? So the answer is, Hashem wants us to worry about this world. Fix yourself in this world. The next world will take care for itself. Mm-hmm. I, I can't describe it to you. It's not something you can think about. It says, Even the prophets never saw Ulam Abba. <coughs> Even the prophets never saw the Ulam Abba except for Hashem. That's it. No I saw Ulam Abba. No one ever saw it. No one ever came back to us and told us. They may have seen Gan but not Ulam Abba. They have no idea what's going on. But we can imagine it must be very, very good. If we know for sure that a relationship with God would not be one of love? Essentially. Why? It would be one of interest. It depends what Allah Abba is. If Allah Abba is playing golf and a beach and this, you're right. Mm-hmm. Allah Abba is getting close to God. There's nothing else there. The spiritual world is pure God. That's it. It's the world of a soul. Mm-hmm. So a person has to yearn to be next to Hashem, otherwise it's meaningless and it's painful. Coy. You have to realize that. So the person says, you know what? I like being next to Hashem. Right? It better be. It's a quiet taste. I like to be in shul. I like to be praying. I like to be learning Torah. I like to be close to God. You're going to enjoy a lot of that. But the person says, I hate being in shul. I hate learning Torah. I hate being praying. Suppose, okay. So that's your that's your gainam. Okay, then it becomes gainam for some people. It's terrible. Because they're in the wrong place. I don't feel right there. I like to be in the soccer pitch uh, playing soccer, not with Spencer, <laughs> I like to play <laughs> badminton. Basketball, I like to play Golf. I don't be it's boring. It's a uh, good shul. It's boring for me. It's boring for you, you better get used to it because that's the next world is going to be a big shul. Oy. Oy. <laughs> so if you enjoy it, it's good. If you enjoy Rabbi's classes, you got Rambam, you got Rashi, you got Moshe Rabbeinu, you got Avram Avinu, you got any class you want in the world. <laughs> It's fantastic and they're right. there huh? they might be there not might they are there no question about it no what question you about you it see? they're giving classes you can pick whichever yeshiva you want to go it says the Arizal when he went to sleep he could pick which yeshiva to attend his soul he could send his soul in different directions so one day he would sit in so and so's shear and one day it's amazing in the worlds above his soul could go and pick whatever it's amazing Imagine you have the choice at night, you to, before you go to sleep say, I want my soul to go and learn, and so and so on yeshiva. I want my soul to go. And, it's good, I maybe mean, it's a good idea to think about it as well. Because we direct our souls, we don't realize we have the power to do that. Okay, so that's really, those are really important parts of what trusting God is. And the other requirement is, number is a fully convinced that Hashem watches over us. Hashgach prati, we said. The person going to be convinced we have to believe Hashem is here with us. And the more we believe, the Rambam says, the more he's with us. The less we believe, the less he's with us. What does that mean? We don't feel it. Hashem is not, his hashkakha is not so strong. person says, I don't believe in God. Okay, Hashem says, I don't, I'm not looking, looking after you. I'm not on the watch out for you today. because person says, I believe in you, Hashem. I need your help. I, please help me. Please help me. Please help me. Hashem says, I'm here with you. I'm holding your hand. I'm holding your driving wheel, steering wheel with you. That's great, that's great So, a person's got to be fully convinced that Hashem is watching over them. Nothing is hidden from him. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're doing. He knows whether we trust him sincerely or not. Trust him. That's the trouble. Hashem knows a person's thoughts. Once you understand this clearly, you can no longer say you have faith in God unless you really trust Him with your heart. If you know Hashem knows your mind, how can you say, I really trust you, but I don't really trust you? He knows what he's thinking. You can't lie to God to his face. Mm -hmm. The other requirement is to trust in God exclusively. That's the hard part. Suppose it goes to the doctor. I trust the doctor. You know, one of the biggest problems I had in my life was when I trusted the doctor. Because I've, uh, because I've, uh, you know, been through the procedure go through this procedure every year. And so, you know, you go through a procedure every year. You say, eh, okay, so i have been through this many times before nothing's going to happen. That's when things happen. Exactly. <laughs> when you take everything for granted, you don't say, I don't need Hashem anymore. Because mm-hmm. it's natural. This is a natural procedure. Okay, that's what Hashem says. Okay, you don't need me? I'll teach you. Bar Kokhba. Bar Kochva. What did Bar say? He said, Hashem, I don't need your help. I'm so strong. I'm so victorious. I can be the Romans. Easy. Just don't help them. Leave me without the as long as you don't help them, I can beat them. Hashem says, That's right, you're going to lose right now. <laughs> that's, that's between Barkoff and David Aman. David Amel always prayed for help and he cried for help and he was. And that's, that's why Hashem helped him. course, we should never say, I don't need your help, Hashem. I can manage by myself, thank you. Oh, that's not the way it works. That's, we always need Hashem. There's no day where a person says, I, can't, I can do that, you Hashem. No such thing. Every day we need Hashem. Everything we, everything we do need Hashem. It's always good to say if God wants. The only trouble is, people use it against God. Are you coming to class? What do you mean? Hashem. Hashem wants you to. Of course Hashem wants you to. <laughs> but they use it against God. They say, I'm What do you mean? Hashem? The person should say, Bezrad Hashem is even better. I think Bezrad Hashem is better than Imrtse Hashem. Bezrad Hashem. With the help of God, I'll come. Okay. So a person has to trust God exclusively and don't put your trust in other people. In other words, God wants you to choose the best doctor, but don't put your trust in the doctor. The doctor is being guided by above. That's what a person says. I put my trust in God. I look for the best doctor, but I put my trust in God. So that's a very important idea. And that's, and then the hard part, now we come to the hard part, there's a catch. The catch is, if you want God to help you, you have to help God as well. How do you help God? You're not really helping God. You're really helping yourself by serving God. So I want God to help me, at least I can do, is do what God wants me to do. God, I want you to do my wishes, but I don't want to do your wishes. Chutzpah, it's a chutzpah, right? So I don't, I don't listen to my parents, but I want them to help me anyway. And unfortunately, some parents are idiots, so they go along with that, it doesn't work like that. First, you have to listen to your parents. And then yeah, and you can say, Dad, can I borrow this? Can I borrow the car? Can I use this? Well, if you don't listen to me, why well, want to help you? I don't help you. Go. Go make your own living. Go. Be independent. You want to be independent? Go be independent. So, a person says, you know, I want Hashem to help me. So, do your utmost to carry out the duties that Hashem has imposed on you. Observe His mitzvot and stay away from the things that forbidden. So, do the positives and keep away from the negatives. Just as you want Hashem to provide you for the things which you depend on Him, and that's what says Berakha Avot, right? Chapter two. Do his will as if it was your will, so you will treat your will as if it was his will. Nullify your will before his will. This is interesting. He will nullify other people's will before your will. Which is interesting. That means I can even affect other people's will. How? If I nullify my will, Hashem says this is not allowed. I say Hashem, I'm going I really want to do it because you said that. I'm gonna nullify my will. She says, oh, you nullified your will because of my will. I'm going to nullify other people's will because of your will. You get your way in certain things. Wow, that's amazing. But how foolish people are, they say they trust in God, at the same time they rebel against Him. I trust in God. What do you mean trust in God? I want God to help me. So, no. No. I don't want to listen to Him, but He'll help help me. Look what he's very harsh on this. He says, this person must be empty-headed and ignorant, oh boy doesn't the person realize that a person was ordered to either do something or refrain from doing something and they disobey, the employer will not keep his part of the bargain the guy says you're my employee, you have to listen you don't listen, I'm not going to pay you so we have to assume that God is like that uh, the truth is he's not he's much more merciful than an employer the trouble is we take advantage of God's mercy that's the trouble we keep pushing the boundary people keep pushing the boundary ah, nothing happened I did this nothing happened I did this nothing I did this nothing I, did this, nothing. I did this. until the boundary builds up and then Hashem gets really upset bam that's Jewish history all of a sudden Hashem says I'm going to clear the account in one swoop we'll, it's not going to be pleasant And unless we had two exiles because of that so that's very important we have to realize that that if I want help Hashem's help i got to do my bit. I got to do the positives and the negatives. Okay, it's very, very important. And nothing in the world can succeed unless Hashem decrees it. And Hashem puts in. Imagine how many how many cogs in the wheel to make this come true. What what needed to happen? Uh, famous story. I don't know if I told you a story about uh, Herzl. Herzl, one of the state of Israel, right? One of the state. He went around to all the great empires. Went to Russia. I went to speak to the Russians. I went to speak to the Austrians, who were very big, the Austro-Hungarian Empire. I went to speak to the Germans. I went to speak to the Turks. They all said it's not going to happen because four empires have to fall before Israel is declared. And you know what happened? Within fifty years, all those four empires have died. If God wants something to happen, the empires will fall. Amazing! It's a miracle. It's a, we don't really realize. We don't really realize the, the, the level of the miracle. Look at the miracle of Alexander the Great. Because I realized the miracle of Alexander the Great. Alexander became a Jewish name. Because Alexander the Great would have a dream every night. And in his dream, Shimonat Sadiq would come and bless him that he's going to win the war. It's a Philipp Miracle. Look at the miracle Hashem did. He goes to Yerushalayim to take over Yerushalayim. And all the enemies of the Jews are telling him to destroy Yerushalayim. The Samaritan, the good Samaritan, the bad Samaritans, the, good Samaritans, the, bad, the evil Samaritans our, our biggest enemies they were. Because they're scared we will come back and take the land. They were put there by Sanheriv. He put them there. And the Jews are coming back to Israel. So they're our biggest enemies. They come to Alexander. The Edomians, Edom, biggest enemies. They come to Alexander, destroy the Jews. Alexander goes to Shalai. And out comes Shimon al Sadiq with all the khani dressed in white. And they're coming to see him. He gets off his horse and he bows down to Shimon al Sadiq. And the king, mad, what's going on, this king? He's a lunatic. He bowed down to the Jew. He bowed down to the high priest. And his says, You don't understand. Every time I have a battle, this I see the him in a dream and he blesses me to win. Of course I bowed down to him. My, my secret of my victory is through this guy. Come on, what a miracle this is. Hashem wants to make a miracle. He can make miracles. He can have people, he can send dreams to people to wake him up. So that night Paro couldn't dream. He couldn't, couldn't sleep. He, could, he had a dream. He had a dream after dream after dream. Who can explain my dreams? Anyone here can explain my dreams? And all his advice is they're stuck. They can't explain the dreams. Is there one man in my kingdom who can explain my dream? Oh, he's in the jail. Get about out of here quickly. <laughs> if Hashem wants something to happen, he'll make it happen. Make everyone sleepless that night. It says, that night the king could not sleep. Where's that? In the Megillah. Achash cannot sleep. Read me my diary. The time came for the redemption. Read me my diary. And you're in the diary. It says, and it was read in front of him. It says the guy wouldn't read it. He wouldn't read those words. He wanted to erase those words. All of a sudden, they hear a voice reading those words. It was read in front of him. It read itself. The words read themselves off the page. The guy was a mamzeh. He didn't want to read the words that Mordecai saved the king's life. <laughs> it was a miracle. It was written in the diary. He didn't want to write those words. The, the, the diary guy didn't even write the words. He didn't want to read the words there. That's what the Gemara says in Mikila. It's amazing. The, Hashem wants something to happen, it will happen. The king won't be able to sleep. So things will happen. It's amazing. Hashem's power. We don't really realize the power of God. We have to take advantage of the power of God, but we have to do our bit. Because every time we do a mitzvah, we're helping the power of God in the world. Mm. So nothing can can succeed in the world unless Hashem decrees it, puts in place a series of causes. So it doesn't just happen overnight. It's like... It's preparation. Hashem is preparing the ground, fertilizing the ground for things to happen. But you have to realize that all these events look very natural, but it's Hashem. Hashem is behind everything. We have to really look at this and, and see it in our daily lives. But it's amazing. It's amazing. Hashem's ability is amazing. We really have to believe. The more you believe, the more it happens. Okay, then we talked about why does Hashem want us to work so hard. Gosh, that's a million-dollar question. Why do we need to earn our living? And there are two reasons. This is a classic, very simple reasons. Number one is to test us. He devised the test to reveal a person's choice. Will a person do things according to the Torah in a permitted way or do things in a forbidden way? Will a person steal and cheat and cut corners and rob and whatever it is and afflict people? And, and trick people or would he be honest in business, that's number one number two, second reason to keep us busy and out of mischief oh boy, because human beings have a tendency when they are unemployed or underworked or leisure time unfortunately, they get into terrific mischief, as we see today and that's why Hashem says you know what, Vaishman Yeshurun, Vaivat, the you Hashanah says Yeshurun will grow fat become wealthy and that's when the people kick God that's what people say. I'm, you know, I'm enjoying life. I don't have time for this. It's amazing. I'm enjoying life. I don't have time to synagogue. I'm enjoying life. I don't have time to pray. I'm enjoying. It. It's strange. Mm. And that's what the rabbi said. Im it's, it's good to learn Torah and have a trade. Mm. Does it say? That shnehem. What they're stri- struggling in the trade of the Torah. You won't find any sins. why one of not have time to sin. The guy says, you know, I come home exhausted. He's good. And <laughs> I go to class and I come home even more. exhausted. even better. It's even better. Why? We have no time to mess around. No time to fool around. No time to play around. That's, that's very important. So that's interesting. Look at this. As a matter of fact, he says, Hashem showed great compassion for a person by keeping them busy all their lives, taking care of his needs in this world and preparing for the world to come. And that's what our lives should be engaged in. Two things. <laughs> taking care of ourselves in this world with the intention to prepare ourselves for the world to come. That's, that's amazing. This is, this is such basic ideas that we need to read this book more, many more times and go over these principles of position. That's why Musa is not something you can learn in half an hour or one hour. But you can just learn these things and try and imbibe it and remember it and uh, make it part of their life. So that's it. We need to do two things. We have to worry about this world, but it's not the main world. We talked about this, uh, the fight between Asaf and Yaakov. About this lash about right, about what was a big fight. So Asaf says, I don't want, I don't want the next world. I just want this world. Only problem is he didn't realize that you can have both. <laughs> That's the biggest mistake. And where do we see this later on? When Yaakov comes with children, four wives, and at that time he had twelve children. And eventually he's going to have thirteen children, and lots of cattle and sheep and goats and camels and donkeys. And Asaf says. What's going on? What's all these things over here? Hmm. So I thought you were a spiritual man and you want the next world. So Yahu says, You're right, I'm a spiritual man. So what's all this cattle and horses and and children and wives? You're not you should be a monk in a monastery. What you're not what are you doing over here? So you don't realise. If you have the next world you also get this world as well. It's not exclusive it's not exclusive, There's a lot of Jews think I'm going to make a choice, I'd rather have this world than the next world, no, wrong, you're wrong and even if you have this world, you don't have the next world but you don't know how to enjoy this world mm-hmm. the Torah tells us how to enjoy this world because if you have it too much of this world, you've got to burn yourself out we you see many people burning themselves out they go to drugs, alcohol, all sorts of stuff they burn themselves out so it's, it's a self-discipline that makes you able to enjoy this world, it's amazing the it needs self-discipline to be able to enjoy this world who would think about such a thing? Without the self-discipline of the Torah, you burn yourself out. I see people burning themselves out really hmm. Who's that guy that's the singer? The singer. He was he was he crashed into hospital. He just couldn't take anymore. He was, oh yeah. I don't want to say his name even, but I'm just saying, it. I mean, it just shows how they over they overdo it. They just can't you, How much pleasure can you have in this world? People don't realize they burn themselves out in no time. They get sick and they die. <laughs> they don't realize it. So the Torah teaches us self discipline, and enables us to enjoy this world. And that's the see that's the big difference between Judaism and Christianity. Christianity posits that you're not allowed to enjoy this world. If you enjoy, you're going to burn. That's what they say. You get married, you burn. People don't realize. That's what Christianity says. That's why the the highest level is the Pope who is unmarried. The priest is unmarried. Why? You're not allowed to enjoy the beauties of this world. You're not allowed to. You can't be a spiritual person and involve yourself in this world. It's impossible. Whereas Judaism says, no, it's the other way around. You can't be spiritual unless you do have part of this world. If you're not married, you can't be spiritual. You can't be holy. So Esau didn't understand Yaakov. He said, Yaakov, I don't understand. I thought, you're going to take the spiritual, the Bechorah, the spiritual birthright. And leave me the physical. He says, no, you don't understand. The physical is also spiritual. (laughs) What? yeah, the physical is also spiritual. You need physical. You need food for Shabbat. You need to have nice clothes for Shabbat. You need to have a a nice house to have married and Shabbat. Did he finally change? Who, Asaf? No. It's very hard to change. It's very hard to change, especially if you have a long history of abuse and uh, power and other things. But what he did was it hated him up so much... He said he had to leave Israel and not see Yaakov again. He never saw Yaakov again. Really? Why? I can't see the guy. Why? He ruined my life. He destroyed my my ideals, our shack, because of him. Because I thought I'm going to give him the next world and he's going to have nothing in this world. And yet he's prospering more than me. I'm so jealous. I just can't live next to him. And that's why people can't take it. Choose, you know, next world, what are they doing over here? Why are they so successful in this world? They don't realize the success of the next world is going to bring them success in this world as well. It's going to bring God's blessing even here as well. All the forefathers were very wealthy. The more spiritual we are, the more blessing you get. It's amazing. And you know what? The really spiritual people say, I don't want the physical blessing. It's just a distraction. <laughs> don't give me anything physical. I don't want it. I just don't want it. It's a distraction. Get out. I just want enough food to eat and leave me alone. That's it. That's what they say. Build me. I'll build your house. No, I don't. People want to give them and they don't take. The guys are not really that spiritual. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Fine. But the guys are really spiritual. They don't want to take. They won't take a penny. You go for a bracha and they don't take. I want to give you a rabbi. Get out of here. I don't want. You want to buy my book? Okay. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.